Welcome to this week's NL Full Time, fresh off the back of our midweek podcast. We are back again to look at the weekend's results. Lots coming up for you. are going to hear from Barnet manager Dean Brennan, also walking striker Marcus Dackers as well. But joining me, we have Rob Worrell, who's back. He's been demoted again from hosting duties. He's back to just being a pundit. <laughs> and, and, and happy to, to be back as well. Just not really the circumstances. And we've already got the, the podcast title for today sorted, and it's a very good one. But good afternoon, chaps. And uh, also joining us it is Dickie Wharton. Hello, Dickie. Good afternoon. Uh, find out, Dickie mentioned about um, the Last Chance Saloon and the last bells ringing in the Last Chance Saloon. So find out if he's got a lock-in or if he's drunkenly staggered into a taxi. We'll find out later on. And also joining us from the Off The Line blog, it is Joe Pope. Yeah, nice to be on again, Luke. Um, disappointing I can't talk about a win, but that's been the case every time I've been on this year. So, uh, same old. Brilliant. Well, we'll get on to an action-packed na- National League, especially at the top, where the late game provided the most drama on BT Sport. It was Notts County playing at home to Dagenham. Their lead is now down to two points, Notts Counties, after they lost a quite remarkable game. Daggers had sacked Darren McMahon in the build-up to this game. They had caretaker Steve Grit in charge, and he certainly showed some grit, along with a bit of luck. Well, I say a bit of luck, maybe a lot of luck. They, they did defend heroically, though, and there was a questionable penalty call as well, not given. And uh, somebody Rob knows well, Ineffiong won it late on, a bit of a, a sucker punch there for Notts County. And it had... Adam Summerton's voice going off the scale at times on a decibel-wise, it was that dramatic. I mean, I watched the highlights and even I was oohing and ahhing and I knew what the result was. But, Rob, what a great advert as well for the game. Yeah, a great advert for the game. Probably not a great advert for refereeing, um, although that's kind of launched an absolute tirade on Twitter in the ongoing kind of, you know, a lot of the time, a lot of it is banter between... Wrexham and Notts fans, sometimes I think it crosses the line and goes a little bit too far. But the game itself was superb. The commentary from Adam was great too. I think I think he just said at one point, this is insane. Um, you know, and it was it was almost like he was staggering, he was struggling to process what was going on. And what he was talking about was Notts County won all, knowing Wrexham had already won. We'll come to that in a bit. Um, and, and absolutely pounding Dagenham. And there was one chance where I'm pretty sure it was a threefold effort where it was cleared off the line, then saved by the goalkeeper, and then cleared off the other side of the line by another player. Um, it was absolutely staggering. And, and, and it's just one of those days where, you know, you felt it wasn't going to go in for knots, but just to rub salt in the wound, daggers counted. And Inni Effiong, who... He's in the form of his life. He's having the season of his life. He's just changed clubs, but there's nothing changed. Um, and he got his 20th goal of the season. And I've been watching him all season and he hasn't really struck a ball like that with his left foot that cleanly all season, but he did in that moment. It was massive for Daggers. And just a final point before you chat to the others, as I'm sure you will about this game. Um, technically, McMahon left Dagenham by mutual consent. There's a number of theories out there nobody really knows exactly what's happened one might be that you know he was going to be going soon anyway and he and he cut and run you know prior to the knots game he did leave on a friday night um another 
another hunch I've heard is that he went to the board asking for backing for a couple more players, and this time they said no, and that that kind of brought a, a, drew a line under things. Another one might have been he may have he may have been this is the logical one I want to believe he may have been given an ultimatum. You've got to be in the playoff positions by the end of February, and obviously, you know, mathematically they couldn't be um, after the couple of defeats prior to midweek, and um, you know maybe that's why. But it looks like things have broken down. He's gone. It's a fantastic show of character from his team, and and a real um, dent in Notts County's title hopes. But that's all it is. It's a dent. It's so long to go. Joe, it's Steve Grit said that. He said it was the best Dagenham had defended in the three years that he'd been there. And I suppose that's where the problem arises. They do pull out these good performances every now and again, but they've not done it on a consistent basis, have they? No, and I think that would be perhaps the irony which Dagenham fans would be disappointed with is the one thing that in his in Darren McMahon's time at Dagenham they didn't do was defend properly. And yet they go to Notts County and put in one of the best defensive performances we've seen from them. So... It'd be disappointing, um, certainly if I was Darren McMahon, given how poor they have been defensively, to see them on the telly. You must have thought, you know, what on earth's going on? But yeah, a good uh, a good performance from Dagenham, but uh, perhaps a little lucky on the day. Yeah, we won't talk about penalty decisions. Interestingly, a team who we talked about getting a lot of pens on the midweek pod, Wrexham, didn't have any penalties, but they did win by three goals to one against Darkin. Paul Mullin on a score sheet yet again. And um, I think from, you speak to Mark White a lot, Rob, I think Darkin were quite happy with the performance, but he just came up against a juggernaut in the end, didn't he? Yeah, they did. I think Mark felt they started well. Wrexham scored with their first um, clear effort on goal, I think. What a goal as well, by the way. There's a cracking goal from Elliot Lee, who... Who they've, you know, they've they've now found a way that he settles into that team um, and manages to play. It's almost like two strikers and a number ten behind them, isn't it? But he's got so much legs and energy that he he does his job tracking back as well and defensively. Um, yeah, I think Dawkins thoroughly enjoyed their day, gave a good account of themselves. But as Mark pointed out, post match, a team like Wrexham, they, you you they don't have to play that well. They just need two or three moments. They're so clinical, some of the players, obviously, uh, Mullen and Lee. And, and right now, Sam Dolby as well. I mean, let's not forget, he got he came on and within minutes got that winning goal in the 4-3 at Aldershot. He came on and set up a goal and scored the week before that. And he, and he got his goal on Saturday. So, um, no doubt, it's advantage Wrexham um, after these uh, this weekend's games, but... It's just ridiculous, isn't it? The story, it just runs and runs and and we've got another two months of it. Yeah, and they've still got to play each other as well at some stage, haven't they? At Wrexham as well. And Wrexham do have a game in hand. As I say, it's down to two points and it's probably advantage Wrexham now. Although, as we always say, points on the board are always vital and Wrexham have got to win those games, haven't they? Well, not now they haven't. Because well, no, two not, games. I mean, as in, yeah, yeah, they're, make yeah, sure they've they don't got, lose. One of them. Yeah, put it this way. I'd have took the five-point lead Notts County had over Wrexham's two games in hand, but now it's still two games in hand um, and it's only two points, isn't it? And and I was just going to say it, but Dickie's there with the info, so I'll let him come in. When do the two sides meet, Dickie? April the 10th. Which um, I believe is, I think that might actually be Bank Holiday Monday at Easter. So, uh, yeah. 
I'm guessing that will be the TV game. <laughs> the high no, I think if they, I think if they pick something else, um, they, they've got big issues. It'd be funny if it's like Wheelstone against Dark and something. And everyone's going, "What?" <laughs> Although ESPN might well wade in and uh, get that game. Anyway, I'm digressing. And we'll uh, move on to Wheelstone and Dorking fans. Uh, I'll give you Luke's Twitter now. You yeah. can. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Well, of course, who wouldn't want to watch that over Wrexham against Notts County? Anyway, um, Woking, Darren Saul, he's got a new contract this week. They could only draw at home, though, to Wheelstone. Max Kretschmar cancelling out the opening from Marcus Dakers. And earlier on, I caught up with the on-loan Salford forward. So, Marcus, uh, ultimately, it was a 1-1 draw against Woking. But personally for you, a good day. You got on the score sheet again. Yeah, you know, um, obviously always buzzing to get on the score sheet um, as a striker. Of course, that's the that's the big thing every game going into it. Um, it was a shame we couldn't come away with three points. Um, you know, they scored a penalty, I think it was in like the 77th minute. It was coming, to be fair. We did have a few chances at the start of the second half, but um, I think one goal wasn't enough. We did need that second, but couldn't quite find it, unfortunately. Yeah, you, you've come into a team, haven't you, that's absolutely flying in the league. So that must help when that, that team's full of confidence. Yeah, yeah, the team's um, working with doing, doing really well as a team. You know, third place at the moment. Um, you know, going into the start of the season, I don't think the lads expected to be where they are now. So just enjoying every moment. And of course, for me, being a striker, having good players around me, it's big, you know, to get chances and just for me to get on the end of them. Yeah, and you know the National League, you know the National League North and the National League quite well now, don't you? And um, it's a really good learning curve for you, isn't it? Yeah, of course. I started at Chester in the National League North um, just over a year ago now, last January. Um, you know, it was that, even that in the National, National League North was um, a tough start. First few games, you know, getting up to the speed of things in men's football. Um, eventually, I got going, managed to get a few goals there. <clears throat> and then, obviously, going into this season, took the step up to the National League um, with Southend. I scored a few goals there, played um, played a few games. You know, it was all part of... All part of the development uh, really helped me out. And obviously now I'm at um, Woking, who was in the National League. So, yeah. Of course, your parent club is Salford. I'm guessing that's there. They're monitoring your progress. And also, that's something where ultimately you want to be in, in, the, in the EFL. I mean, you could well help Woking get promoted to the EFL. Yeah, of course. You know, that's obviously the goal at Woking is to, you know, make sure we do get the playoff spot. Hopefully we could get the third keep hold of the third spot so we go straight to the semi-final the playoff that's obviously the main goal um, but you know we just have to see how the next 10 to 15 games we've got left now see how they go um, but yeah of course my goal is to end up in the EFL that would be great if I can help Wilkin get there as well and of course going into next season you know the main goal is for me to be in in D2 either with Salford or with whatever team that may be you know to take that next step from the National League to the to the EFL yeah, and any other player you probably talked to at your age, if they asked to go into the National League, I'm sure you say, go and do it, wouldn't you? 100%, yeah. No, for me, like every single game, um, just learning, you know, looking back on the games, watching them back and taking as much um, away from it as I can. And I feel like for people of my age, 19, 20, 21, to be playing regular football, at, whether that's National League North level, National League South, National League, it's a, it's a really good level for us to... You know, learn about about the players around. Learn, sorry, learn from the players around us because a lot of them have played in the leagues. You know, at Woking now, I think we, in the team, got a couple thousand EFL appearances just between the squads. So, 
for example, I've got Paul Rickham next to me. I've tried taking as much from him, him as I can. He's, you know, he's been around the the league for a while now, and um, so yeah, we've got a lot of a lot of experience around me, especially at, at national league level. Yeah, and like say playing along someone like Puri Gamond myself as well. Yeah, hundred percent. You know, he's a he's a great guy. Always trying to you know give me tips during the game. He's always helping me out, letting me know um, different ways. Obviously, I can receive the ball, where to be, out of possession, in possession. Just you know, just small helpful things, and obviously it goes a long way, especially for someone of my age. So yeah, it's it's, it's helpful. And it finished one-one, and a really impressive point once again for Stuart Maynard's side. I've spoken before on the pod and uh, on my blog how much I'm I'm a fan of Stuart Maynard, and I think he's done a fantastic job, and I think it just shows you know the fact that they're able to go to Woking and grind out another point on the road um, against a good side. Um, a really, really pleasing afternoon for Wildstone and obviously Max Kretschmar that uh, Wildstone worked so hard in the in the summer to prize away from Woking is the man to uh, step up and score the penalty for, for Wildstone. As for Woking, I was a little bit surprised that um, Craig Ross was sort of dropped um, for the game um, because Darren Souls used or tried to keep it fairly consistent at the back, but... Um, but yeah, a, a good perhaps a good point for Woking. Woodstone a good side. As Dickie said, no Reese Brown in this game. He was sent off in the last game for Woking, so he missed the game against his former side. But um yeah, perhaps a good point for both. Barnet they were on a little mini slump of three defeats in a row, but then they faced all the shot and uh, they managed to come out of that slump, didn't they, Rob? Yeah, they did. Um a a a, a solid home win for Barnet. A little bit flattered by the scoreline, but I don't want to sound too begrudging with that. Um, Aldershot really only played their A game for about 15 minutes in the second half when they did get level. And it was a cracking goal in the build-up from Monoga, finished by Glover. Um, but yeah, Barnet, very, very well organised. What I liked about them was as soon as they weren't on the attack and they didn't have the ball out of possession, they made themselves very, very difficult to break down. Um, and Aldershot huffed and puffed a bit, really, over the course of the game. Um, some some clinical finishing from them in the second half, um, from very disappointing goals to concede second, third and fourth ones for Aldershot. But undoubtedly their day and the day they've needed for a little while because I think it was three defeats on the bounce coming in to yesterday's game. Um, as for Aldershot, well, after all the encouragement of the draw against Chesterfield and the kind of gallant losers defeat 4-3 against Wrexham it's actually three defeats on the chop three defeats in a week so a bit of head scratching for Ross McNeely to do all credit to uh, Barnett and to Dean Brennan and I caught up with the Barnett gaffer after the game 4-1 against Aldershot um, certainly sounds comfortable from the scoreline um, and other than probably a 15-20 minute period in the second half your, your side were well worthy of the points today yeah, I felt uh, we never really got two, made it two, three when we were dominant, especially first half. Um, and to be fair to all the shots come out second half, which we expected and, and, and gave a good account of themselves. But their character what we, and, and the subs we made, I think, really changed the game, put us back in the ascendancy to the domination we had in the first half. Um, I'd like to see us score more goals in the first half. We had it tonight against Ultra, and we were outstanding. They had one shot in the first half and scored. Uh, we were outstanding. Our performance of 60 minutes was excellent. And uh, we ended up in, you know, on the end of a defeat. So um, it's something we've got to get better at if we're going to continue to strive towards getting in the playoffs and obviously um, 
it's something we're definitely keen to, to improve on. Something we talked about a little bit between us on the podcast, and now I can ask you to your face. Distinct periods in this season, you were conceding a lot of goals earlier on in the season, and then you had a really good run where you really shut up shop. I think seven or eight clean sheets in, in, in you know in the space of nine matches. Um, and then more recently, you conceded again. Can you put your finger on what it is? Yeah, yeah, consistency and selection in the back line. You know, uh, Ben Winter's missing for us, big player for us. Um, he's out with an ankle injury. Dom Revan's a big player for us, he's out. Danny Collins, that's his second game back. He's just missed four games on the bounce. So um, it's his second game back from his injury. So they Matt, they all play in their back line. So, you know, Liverpool can't be without Van Dijk. Uh, and uh, Man City can't be without Diaz. And Arsenal wouldn't be a bit, a bit, uh, without Saliba and players like that. That's how big it is for us. They're huge players for us. Um, and that, that's the main reason for it. Uh, I'd like to ask you about Idi Kanu. Uh, he scored today against uh, his former side in Aldershot. He was with us when he was 16 years old. Went up to Peterborough. Um, he seems to have really found a home here. Uh, flurry of goals when he first came as well and a nice finish today. Yeah, Idris is a very honest boy. What we spoke about when we, when we brought him in was him getting his numbers right, him scoring more goals and creating more goals. He's very industrial. He's got a lot of ability. Go by people at ears. But when the ball's on the opposite side, he seems to go asleep. I'm talking when we're in possession. He needs to get on the back post better so he can score more goals. We did that with Efron Mason Clark and he scored a lot of goals for us in the end. But Idris, you've got to remember, he's only 22 as well. He's still a young boy. And when people got promoted, he played 25 games that year under Darren mm-hmm. Ferguson. So he's, you know, he's a good player. He just some Sometimes someone needs a home. He needs a manager to put his arm around them and show them a little bit of love, and that's what we've done. And he'll have competition for places as well, won't he? Because Courtney Senior had been on the pitch less than a minute, I think, when he got a similar opportunity and finished it differently, but with a plum. Yeah, he's got he's got killer pace, Courtney. He's uh, he's direct. Um, and he's got loads of quality and that's another thing for him you know for him to get back to the height he was as a league one player and loads of championship clubs because even Premier League clubs were sniffing around him not too long ago he had a bad injury a couple of years ago and uh, he's another player we want to get his numbers right he's got the tools to go on and be anything he wants to be he's still young as well he's only 25 uh, Just a word for um, big Harry Smith who's come in um, and uh, whilst Barnett's own form hasn't been fantastic of late um, Harry Smith's has been superb and I'm, I'm, I haven't got the stats in front of me but I think it might be five goals in six games or six in five or something like that. Big target man, holds it up well, got himself nicely on the back post to head his goal home and um, I think they're looking to, and they're finding a way, aren't they, to, to play him and Kabamba together. Um, Kabamba was quiet yesterday but um, overall things looking good for Barnet and I saw no evidence on Saturday to suggest to me that they can't or won't make the playoffs. A team who might be sweating about making the playoffs are Chesterfield. That is another defeat for them. It was a home loss at home to Oldham. That's no wins in a month. Five out of the last game, five out of the last eight games are defeats. The goal scorer for Oldham was Devon Green, a player you know well, Dickie. Yeah, Devon Green. I think it might have been his first uh, start for Oldham, having joined um, from Telford only about a week ago. I think he came off the substitutes bench. Um last week um yeah i I mean he he moved on from telford just basically have a disagreement between him and kevin wilkin about whether he should be playing and um you know they they, they'd allowed him to go on trial to oldham um he's you know proving his worth to them you know pretty much straight away i mean he's off to off to a great start i think with him it's maintaining it is is the thing his consistency is 
we didn't have consistency from him at Telford. And I think, you know, having spoken to other people who've managed him, et cetera, in the past, that that, that consistency is is the thing that he doesn't um, always have. But, you know, he's given himself another opportunity at a full-time club and we wish him well. And the grass is, is literally green on the other side for him at the minute, the way he's uh, started off there. But for Chesterfield, Robert, a, a real worry. And I read the Chesterfield form a lot and there's a lot of dissent there, a lot of people going, we got to stick behind Paul Cook. He's done it before, and a lot going. Look, he's um, he's under real pressure. If he doesn't make the playoffs, he's got to go. And you get that, you get that feeling that if they slip out the playoffs from here, he'll be under real pressure. I can't see anything happening before the end of the season, but worrying times for him. Yeah, very worrying. I think um, might be seven or eight games without a win. Now there was the run of four draws, um, and now another defeat. So. Um, yeah, it's strange. It's a good team and a good squad of players, but they're very low on confidence right now. Um, Do you think they're relying on Shimanga a lot? Because even this season, he was coming off the bench and sort of grabbing a goal and getting him back in front really. again. And the goals have dried up since he's left. Not really this season. Shimanga hadn't scored that many, had he? Seven, something like that. So um, six, seven, eight. Um, no, I don't think it's that. Um they, you know, they've they were doing better with Quigley up front than they're now doing with McCallum. Um, maybe that's an adjustment. I don't know. McCallum was perhaps a little bit unlucky on Saturday. He had a couple of efforts. He managed to get them on goal, but um, you know the um, the keeper was alert to it. Uh, Magnus Norman was it? I can't, I can't try and yeah, remember. Yeah, um, you know, he he made a couple of decent saves. I don't know. I I, I don't see Chesterfield enough to know. Maybe we've got some regular listeners who are Chesterfield fans who can give us their theory. I can't see anything more than a very good bunch of players that are low on confidence at the minute. Below them in the table is Southend and Eastleigh. Southend will be in court this week, this coming week, and we'll find out what is happening with their winding up order. We wish them well. However, if the it is their last game for whatever reason, then they will go out with a bang. It was a two-on win away at Torquay and Joe I'm sorry I had to laugh at the last goal because it was a Torquay free kick it actually hit a Torquay player on the backside and then Southend broke from there yeah well I mean it's just a, a free kick that sums it up uh, sums up our season really I mean listening to the commentary and I think if you actually if you go on the Southend Twitter um, and listen to the goal back which they've clipped our own commentator when the ball is rolled to Brett McGavin the own the commentator says, I might as well go and move my car beyond the goal. Um, so, you know, that that just sums it up. Um, and, you know, we've worked so hard against a good team. You know, they are a good team. Um, to come back to one all, we bring every player up into the box apart from the goalkeeper. And then they go, they go try and play it short, lose it. And then, I mean, I, I said in my tweet, there was a bit of tracking back, but you can't really call it that. I mean, it was half-arse running, um, couldn't really be bothered. And, you know, that's why I did a piece this morning, actually, where I said that Southend are mentality monsters. Um, you know, not content to just have one point on the road. They find a way and push forward at the end to make it three points. And, you know, I expect Southend to be in the playoffs come the end of the season. Um, for Torquay, obviously, it's a another disappointing result having, you know, got back into it, one all at the very least, as Adam Virgo said in the Notts County game, 
don't lose it now, you know, at least get something from it. And unfortunately for Torquay, it's a, a defeat. The only question that does come from yesterday, um, and I actually put something in the WhatsApp group, but no one kind of noticed it. Um, or if they did, they kind of glossed over it, was that... Sorry, Joe. <laughs> I, I would... I would think that Gary Johnson is getting very, very close to the end now. Um, I wasn't actually in attendance yesterday, but apparently all the supporters after the game were chanting for Gary Johnson to leave the first time this season. It's been very split up to this point. Um, and he even got into an altercation with a fan on the way through the tunnel um, because he's been under a lot of criticism at Torquay the whole time during his tenure, whereby if we lose... He's quick to leg it down the tunnel. Um, and I think sort of a supporter made sure that didn't happen yesterday and got into an altercation. So I think he's very much at his end. Um, I don't think he'll get sacked because I don't think the owners care enough to make the change. But um, disappointing uh, afternoon for Torquay. As for Southend, really good three points. And I'm really pleased for, for Kevin Mayer. Joe, with him. So I was, I was just going to say, Joe, if Gary Johnson does go, do you believe Torquay have got the squad to get out of it with a fresh face there? Um, yes, I think you only have to, you know, finish outside of the bottom four. I know that sounds simple to say, but I think Scunthorpe and Maidstone will be the bottom two. I don't see either of those getting out of it. So I think they'll be the bottom two. I still stand by what I said at the start of the season in that I think Yeovil will finish below Torquay. Um, they can't score and they're defensively is dried up. And I know there's a lot of problems there. And it's whether Torquay have enough to finish ahead of one other team. Um, I know Rob's probably pondering there whether it could be talking, but I, um, I, I, I think it is whether Torquay can finish higher than one more team out of those that little group above the drop zone. I don't think we will. Um, and I think that's why we need to make a change now to plan for next season in the league below. Um, I don't think they will um, because I don't think, as I said, I don't think the owners of A, got the money or B, care enough to make a change. Um, but I would make a change now. I know, you know, it's been a sort of a, a light subject in the group chat about, you know, every every time we win, it's Gary in and every time we lose, it's Gary out. But I think now is the time it is definitely Gary out. Um there was enough yesterday from those in attendance to suggest that his time is up. Oh, I've got very different opinions to you, Joe, and I totally respect yours, especially the fact that you are a Torquay fan and you're you're looking at that all the time. But I think Torquay would be mad to get rid of Johnson. Now, they've made the decision to stick with him. It's debatable. Do Torquay have the players? To, is their team good enough to stay up? I think the best thing in their favour, as you rightly say, is they're not adrift and they've only got to get ahead of, you know, one or two teams from where they are at the moment. So I agree with that. But who else is out there that's got more nous, more know-how than Gary Johnson? Yes, it's gone horribly wrong this season and he hasn't done a good job. But I'd still rather have him in my corner for these remaining games than someone coming in to work with the players who clearly are borderline whether they're good enough or not. Um, and the final point I've got is, don't worry, Joe. I know you've got another tough game against Bromley in the week, but you're playing shots on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I agree to some extent what you say there, Rob. Um, certainly, if you are going to try and stay up, you would want, you know, an experienced manager. Um, but there's only so much 
you can just keep, you know, every week we'll be fine. I mean, I actually made a point. Someone asked me on Twitter, do I think Torquay will stay up? Um, I actually did a piece for Chris Phillips um, for the South End Echo. Who's um, coming on next said, week? Coming on next week, by the way. Whatever happens at South End this week in court. And, and he said, do you think Torquay will stay up? And I said, I'm more confident than I was at the new year. And yet we're further adrift now than where we were at the new year. So despite the progress, despite the upturn in results, we're actually further away now from getting ourselves out of trouble than we are at this new year. Um, and I certainly don't see it, you know, as, as much as it pains me to uh, to say, I don't think we'll get as many points as Dorkin between now and the end of the season, um, because they've strengthened well. Um I don't think we'll get as many points as York because I think their squad is good enough despite the managerial problems. Um, and I do not see us getting enough points to stay in, in the league. The only team is Gateshead, but they seem to be getting results. So, um, yeah, I, I would make a change. Um, I know, obviously, you don't think you would, but, um, yeah, either way, it's not good. You know, when you get into the realms of, Having altercations with fans after defeats and no, the whole stadium mm. chanting for you, you know the writing's on the wall. It is indeed, uh, Dicky. Um, just on the other side of the fence, Southend were saying about um, finishing in the bottom four. Maybe if you finish fourth bottom, if it doesn't go the way of Southend, or even if they do stay in business and go into administration, then fourth bottom may well be enough, might it? It could quite possibly, and and you know nobody wishes that upon Southend. Um, let's be clear about that. But it, it is that thing of you know you, you've got to keep on going right to the very end because you just don't know what is going to happen. You know if if the teams have been reprieved from relegation um, in this league before for similar circumstances, um, and you know say nobody wants for it to be the case, and 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 there is an argument that says look if you finish in the bottom four on lack of merit, I was going to say merit, but it's lack of, you know, you should be relegated, but there are other factors at play here. Um, And yeah, I I think whoever um, finishes in that position, you know, that they're they're giving themselves a a sniff of a chance just in case anything should happen when we get to the AGM in the summer. And we wish, sorry, that's called the AGM cup boys, Um, especially in order shot circles anyway. Uh, it's the only cup that Aldershot have won in recent years. They've won it twice. Um, and all joking apart, we wish South End United and their supporters all the very best uh, for, is it Friday? I can't remember. It's March Wednesday. the 1st anyway. Wednesday. Um, and, and we'll obviously be heavily featuring next weekend, what the whatever the outcome of that is, uh, hopefully with Chris Phillips from the South End Echo alongside us. We'll move on and look at Eastleigh. They drew nil-nil with Bromley, but this looks a very entertaining game, despite it being a nil-nil. I mean, it all kind of kicked off in the first half. Michael Cheek heading against the post, and then um, Danny Whitehall missing a really good opportunity as well, right on the line. I'm not quite sure how he missed it. Then Eastleigh went down to 10 men. It was a an agricultural challenge from Corey Panther, which saw them uh, reduced to 10 men. And... Uh, Eastley actually had the better opportunity at the end. It was Bromley who were holding on a little bit and a, a really good point for them. And the, the Eastley, I won't say revival, Joe, continues, but as we mentioned a few weeks ago, they've just snuck into the playoffs unannounced and the kind of underdogs. And I think they like just being not spoken about, do they? 
Yeah, I think it takes the pressure off them a little bit. Um, and they certainly have improved or say got better in the last couple of weeks. Good couple of away wins uh, under their sheets. belt. Um, and uh, yeah, as you say there, Rob, a lot of clean sheets. For, and that's something that I find really interesting about this Eastie side is they've got one of the youngest teams in the division, um, maybe even the mo- the youngest team in the division. Um and yet they're so well organised, they're so intelligent in the way that they defend. And, you know, to keep Bromley at bay yesterday with 10 men um, just shows that they're a side that, you know, can mix it and, and get a result, you know, whichever way they they play. So I wouldn't put it past them to get in the playoffs. Every season there's that one team that, um, you know, gets in there. Um, so, um yeah, I, I wouldn't be at all surprised if it is Eastley. Um, you know, they've added well uh, recently, um, made a couple of signings, and um, yeah, I, I wouldn't uh, wouldn't be too surprised. Yeah, we got criticised the other week for not talking about Eastley. Well, we're talking about them now, and I'm sure we'll talk about them even more if they do stay in the playoffs. One team who's on a, a tear up are, are Altrincham. Now, I went to their game against Bromley the other week, and uh, Brian Flynn, who we know well on this podcast, after they'd lost at home to Bromley, went... I think it'll get worse before it gets better. Well, since then, they've won three out of three. So clearly, he's, uh, prediction-wise, he's, he's as good as us in terms of predicting. And, and we scored lots of goals as well. Eight goals in the last two games. They beat Barnet midweek, as we mentioned, 4-2. And then a really good win against out-of-form Solihull Moors. Joe? Yeah, and it's a funny one because on reflection, I think at the time when they lost Ryan Colclough and they lost uh, Chris Conclark, I actually said, you know, they will struggle. Um, but sort of having reflected since, perhaps it benefits Altrincham. Um, you know, they're not, they weren't really in fear of getting relegated. Um, and Phil Parkinson, you know, the football that he employs at, at Altrincham is, you know, fast paced attacking football. When they had Ryan Colgluff in the side, it was perhaps a little bit easier to play against Altrincham because, you know, you knew where the ball was going to be recycled, it was always going to go to him. So, the fact that they've now got such versatility in their attack and able to, you know, attack through a number of avenues, um, I think um, I think they'll be quite pleased. And certainly um, Regan Linney, someone that you will know um, more, Luke, he's been uh, he's been on fire so far for them. I think that's three goals. Three. I think yeah, three and three. Now. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, that looks like a, a really really good signing for them. The the funny thing for for Altrincham, um, Tyree Sinclair scored two goals yesterday for Altrincham, and yet his parent club Rochdale can't score any goals and look like they're heading into the national league, and yet shipped out a player who scored twice yesterday, scored once in midweek against Barnet, and I think he's now at four goals. So um, yeah, a good win for Altrincham. As for for Solihull, I think mm. um, another manager pressure under be- pressure in it. Yeah, I mean, you know, they've, they've spent well. I mean, yes, they've lost Ryan Barnett recently, but that squad is, you know, quite an expensive squad um, and a good squad, experienced squad and an experienced manager. So, Neil Ardley certainly under the pressure there. And I think the the main um, Solihull creator, content creator, bandwagon fan sign, they said yesterday that they are firmly Neil Ardley out now. Um, so, um, yeah, interesting. Um, certainly under pressure. No more hard luck stories for them, potentially. Another manager is under pressure, FC uh, FC Halifax manager Chris Millington. They got booed off after their 1-0 home defeat 
to Maidenhead. It was Ashley Nathaniel George's goal on nine minutes and Halifax sort of back, not in the mire as such, but they're, uh, they're five points clear. They'll probably be okay. They're just above York City. Got a good win against Yeovil. That was a big win for York over Yeovil in the end. Ollie Dyson hoovered up a loose ball to fire them ahead. Then it was an own goal. It was given to Josh Staunton in the end, but uh, I think it was a maybe an own goal as well from uh, from Crooks. They mentioned there, but I think since then it has been given to Josh Staunton. And then Linnell John Lewis popped up with the winner seven minutes from time. And uh, as we mentioned there, Joe, despite York and Yeovil being down there, uh, it's looking bleak for, for Yeovil. Although Mark Cooper was quite bullish in his post-match interview saying we did everything but maybe get a draw yesterday. Um. Yeah, I think um, that's the sort of game that they just had to make sure they came out from the game and didn't lose. You know, similar to when Torquay went to Dorking um, on Tuesday night. You know, you just have to come out of the game and make sure you do not lose. And, you know, ultimately they did. Um, and it doesn't matter, you know, people's managers come out of games and say, you know, we played really well. At the end of the day, you didn't get anything um, from it. Um, and that's the, the problem for Yeovil at the moment is they just can't pick up points. I said earlier in the season that, um, that uh, you know, Yeovil were struggling for goals. They're still struggling for goals. Um, and defensively, it is got, you know, they weren't able to keep up their record. What I found interesting, actually, was someone pointed it out yesterday on Twitter, is that Yeovil needed to strengthen their attack to try and get them out of trouble. And the two players they've brought in to strengthen their attack are Jordan Young and Seb Palmer, Seb Palmer Hayden, I think, or Howden, who were playing for Chippenham, who are near the relegation zone in the league below. Um, so, you know, that just goes to show, um, you know, what Mark Cooper's working with in terms of the finances there. So, um, you know, there's a lot more problems going on at Yeovil, which I see a bit more closely. Yeah, I just wanted to add... Mark Cooper's not holding back, is he? In his last couple of post matches, I've seen him. He's, he's called, you know, he's, I don't know, if you want to be cynical the other way, you say he's in the land of excuses, but I think the reality is he's, he's telling it as it is, isn't he? There's just, they're just not really being back. He, he has been able to bring quite a lot of players in, but I think the, the market that he's shopping in isn't the one he wants to shop in and he's having to, um, he's having to get by as best he can, but, I, I don't know if it's the right body language and words coming out from Mark Cooper. I mean, it doesn't look good. And, and, and you know, Yeovil probably of those teams that have for a long time been out of the bottom four look the most worrying for me. I think they did drop in, didn't they, as well, on, after Saturday's game? Yeah, they're now in, the, now in the relegation zone. You know, now that they're in the bottom four, they need to go and win some games. And to win a game, you've got to score. Um, so that's now the problem for Yeovil is they were just hovering above that line, but now they've got to go out and, and win some games. Gateshead got another good point away at Maidstone, which means they keep Maidstone at arm's length. Ten points, in fact, now between Maidstone and Darkin, who are in 20th. Uh, that was a 1-1 draw there. Scudbart was 2-0 away at Boreham Wood, and Boreham Wood have a game in hand and are just two points behind Eastley. And uh, your mate Leung have got on the score sheet, Dickie. Yeah, he did. Yeah, second goal. Uh, two goals, two minutes apart in that game as well. Uh, Tyrone Marsh had put Borenwood ahead in the 63rd minute and then uh, and Love added the second in the 65th. With, you know, I imagine probably up to that point, Scunthorpe, you know, you goal this going into the last 
almost the last twenty five percent of the game, and you know, you, you, I wouldn't say you would think job done, but you know, you'd be looking reasonable for a point, and then bang, bang, you know, in the space of two minutes, the game's taken away from you. Um, yeah, doesn't do an awful lot for Scunthorpe's um, uh, prospects at the bottom. You know, they remain in 23rd, uh, 26 points. They're seven points from safety. So, you know, that they really could have done with a point from there yesterday. But, uh, yeah, tough ass to get something at Boreham Wood. Such an awkward side to play, aren't they, at any time, Boreham Wood and... And Scunthorpe trying to get something going at the minute. That's not the sort of opposition you want to run into. Um, and I'll get a look at them on Tuesday night. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to call um, Borenwood against Dorkin along with Chris Baldwin. So that'll be good to see both those teams. I know Mark White feels that in many ways it could be a harder game for Dorkin at Borenwood on Tuesday night than it was at Wrexham on Saturday. Um, no offence there to, to, to Wrexham. But I think you can look at Wrexham and you can decide to be quite brave and go at them and create opportunities to score, can't you? But uh, it's never easy to break Boreham Wood down. We'll look ahead to the midweek fixtures later on, but we'll move on now to the, the National League South. In the National League South, the, the absolute juggernaut continues apace and that was a really good win at Chelsea because that's such a tough place to go, isn't it, Joe? And they won by a goal to nil. Neither Rakesh Bingham or Dominic Polian got on the score sheet either. No, and I think it just shows the strength for the absolute squad. You know, the fact that they are able to, uh, you know, different people are able to pop up with a goal. Chelmsford, really difficult side. I expect Chelmsford tried to make it quite attritional and uh, and Ebsfleet um, weren't able to play their usual, you know, passing game. Um, so, yeah, good win for them on the road yesterday. So in second place, it's Dartford. They took on Oxford City. Uh, a good point out for Oxford City, drew nil-nil at Dartford and they leapfrogged haven't in Waterlooville because haven't in Waterlooville lost again at Hemel Hempstead. Yeah, well, um, I've actually been quite, well, quietly surprised by how well uh, Luke Jenkins is doing, or Ross Jenkins, sorry, is doing at, uh, at Oxford City. You know, they're climbing the table and uh, certainly in the turn of the year, they were sort of mid-table or just on the outskirts of the playoffs, but they're really, really doing well yesterday. Good point against Dartford. As for Haven, you know, they were keeping pace, but I think they can probably discount themselves from the from the title now. I've just not got really got going under Doswell. I don't know why. You know, he's a really experienced manager. He knows the division and, um, you know, he, they just can't seem to get that consistency. Really disappointed um, in the in the second half of the season. Dickie said that there was a, a fantastic goal from, from Luke Holness yesterday. Uh, for Hemel Hempstead um, before the misery compiler for having in jo- uh, Joe Osler, uh, former former gull, being sent off in the, the second half. Um, so, uh, yeah, not not a good day for, for having and Waterlooville. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, a fantastic day for Ebsfleet, uh, who seemed to get uh, edging even closer to that uh, to that title now. Yeah, continuing the blockbuster theme with Holness, so... <laughs> I'd say we'll have a, a W, please, <laughs> next to that name, which is what which is what they have got. Um, just quickly on haven't Joe, do you think, because obviously he's brought in a lot of players that he knows well and obviously none of them are getting any younger, do you think that's maybe catching up with him a little bit now? Um, yeah, I think, you know, you have to... One of the things that I 
you need in that league is you need pace, you need speed, you know, you need speed, you need young players that are hungry. And you look at Ebbsfleet, yes, they've got experience, but they've also got those two or three players that are really, you know, up and coming and, you know, got that speed about them to change the game. Whereas haven't I see them as a little bit, you know, a bit, little bit slow, a little bit direct. Um, obviously, it's it's not worked out for them for, for whatever reason. I think the squad needs to freshen up and, you know, does that mean a new manager? Um, I'm not sure. You know, certainly for the for the years that Paul Doswell has been there, I know they had a difficult year last year. Um, but uh, yeah, it's uh, not quite working out for them, despite the uh, the additions to their side. Just behind them, a point behind them are two teams, Worthing and Braintree, and Worthing got a two-one win against Hungerford, which. A lot of people might have expected, but Hungerford have been really good form and they also took the lead through Joel Rollinson and were eventually pegged back by a goal from Reese Meekums and then Ollie Pierce with a penalty in the second half. Braintree's win was even more impressive. They won 1-0 away at Farnborough and Farnborough, we said, have been in really good form at the minute. They're, they're the farm side, probably in the division and Braintree have gone there and won by a goal to nil. Yeah, Farnborough have been going really well, haven't they? And uh, unfortunately, I think it's just, a, you know, I think there's only one defeat in like 16 or 18 and now there's been a couple. So just as they closed in on those playoffs, they've gone down. But uh, yeah, it's another feather in the cap of Braintree who are having a cracking season. And at the moment, they're really looking to cement their playoff berth. They're six points uh, you know, clear. They've got a six-point cushion to the eighth-place team, um, uh, St Albans, um, who came unstuck at home to um, uh, Scotty Davis's team, Slough, and not just to Scotty Davis's team, but to Scotty Davis himself. Um, he smashed home a free kick. It's uh, on Twitter if you want to have a look at it. And as he quite rightly said afterwards, his free kick was a lot better than his knee slide, which went rather horribly wrong. Yeah, uh, there was a lot of people... Winding him up, saying he should be fined for trying to knee slide. He's the manager now. He shouldn't be knee sliding. <laughs> it just shows they're worried. They don't want to lose him from the team because he leads, you know, from the pitch, doesn't he? Um, fair play to Scotty. He's decided not to, you know, hang his boots up and concentrate on management. He want he wants to play as long as he can. He came on here, didn't he, a few weeks ago and said, if he, you know, <clears throat> if the management team as a collective feels that he can make a difference to the game, that he should be on it, then he'll play. Matt Lynch got the second goal. Sean Jeffers invariably uh, scored the St Albans goal uh, from the penalty spot. But uh, it was too little too late and a great three points on the road for Slough. I was just going to say what a fantastic job Scott Davies is doing. Um, You know, he came in there, really difficult situation, didn't have the biggest of squad. He's recruited really well and, uh, you know, I think they'll be probably safe come the end. So, yeah, well done to, uh, to Scott. He's doing a really, really good job there. Yeah, kept it keeping a lot of continuity as well in that side. Uh, Tombridge just behind them as well. They're above Farnborough by three points. Tombridge won 1-0 away at Bath. Jay Saunders doing a good job there. They left it late though. Jack Wood in the 88th minute with the goal there for Tombridge. And Eastbourne Borough, they lost 1-0 away at Chesson. And it was a big day down at the bottom, wasn't it, in the end, Joe, where Chesson won Weymouth. They had a big win away at Concord, who were on a decent run of form. And, and Chippenham drew 1-1. Chippenham drop into the bottom four now, don't they? So it's um, it's really tight at the bottom of that table. Hampton Richmond Borough beat Dulwich Hamlet. Dulwich are just above the relegation zone as well. 
yeah, they're doing, you know, they're, they're really struggling. Um, you know, we, we kind of tip them to all being in and around the playoffs as we do every year um, at the top, but they've just, you know, crashed and burned this year. But um, yeah, some really, really big results. And for those three teams that you mentioned there, three clean sheets, you know, how how often this season have Chesson, Weymouth and Hampton and Richmond all come away with clean sheets? Um, so, uh, yeah, really, really good uh, weekend for them, um, especially for Weymouth. Massive win on on the road um, against Concord Rangers. Um, interestingly, that uh, Chesson and Hampton and Richmond both finished the game with 10 men and both had someone sent off in the 88th minute um, in their wins. So, um, yeah, big wins down the, uh, the bottom of the table. The, the brilliantly named Josh Papula scored as well for Chesson, so I'm guessing once you pop, he can't stop him. <laughs> Very good. You talked about clean sheets there, Joe. I just totted them up. It's quite rare, isn't it? Um, Weymouth aside, it was quite a low-scoring week in the National League South, and 10 teams got a clean sheet on Saturday. That might be well up there as one of the season highest. How do you see that relegation battle going, Joe? Because we know Chippenham, obviously, they've had a few games to catch up on, but they're not really taking advantage of that. They have still got kind of two or three games on the teams above them, but they're kind of just, they're not, what's the word? They're not exactly looking as though they're going to pull away, are they? No, and I think um, I think Chippenham would have been a little bit surprised. Obviously, they signed Matt McClure. Um, experienced striker. Um, they lost Jordan Young, and yet Matt McClure's not really got going for them. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's an interesting one. I think it will be very tight run all the way until the end. Um, Hungerford were doing really, really well of late. Um, they've picked up. Um, I think of the bottom four, I think probably Weymouth may stay up. You know, they've got an experienced manager and they have got a couple of players in their side that can really make the difference. Brad Ash and Akeem Rose, both of which, I think, you know, Ash scored twice again yesterday and Rose scored another uh, for Weymouth. So I think they will probably stay up come the end. Um, You know, Dickie said it there about whether, you know, Dulwich are sort of sleepwalking uh, into troubles and, you know, Despite the squad, you have to say that they are in real, real problems. Um, you know, and that that would be criminal, really, with the amount of players that the, you know the good good players that they've got there. So, um, yeah, it'd be interesting. Um, I don't think well, I expect there to be a lot of movement uh, still come the end because it's so close. You know, five points separate Concord in twenty fourth and and Hampton and Richmond in eighteenth. Guessing Hamlet thought the other cigars out, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, just six points between the bottom eight there. And I think it's the bottom eight there are going to be involved in that scrap. Uh, four from eight are going down. And um, I agree with you about Slough. I think Scotty Davis will do enough there. I think Weymouth will do enough as well. They've got upward momentum now. Um, and it's big, big warning signs for particularly Dulwich and Chesson, who are just outside, but they have played a couple of games more. Uh, than than most of those other teams. So uh, it's going to run and run for sure. But uh, a real fillip for Weymouth, 5-0 away at Concord, dumping Concord Rangers right at the bottom of the league. With Dulwich, I mean, it's such a a strange one, isn't it? You know, they, they, they enjoy, um, you know, above average crowds in that league. And you would think that that would, you know, give them, you know, a, a fair degree of financial strength. 
but it just doesn't seem to have happened for them on the field. Um, and I, I, I don't know whether, I, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, with the type of supporter that they draw in, you know, you wonder how engaged they are with it, really. I think Dulwich have, have built this, uh, you know, reputation as somewhere that people go and spend their Saturday afternoon. But how much do they really care about what the result is? Um, and, yeah, there's just, I'm just not sure about them at the moment. I think, as I say, I think they might be um, sleepwalking into it was the phrase I used there. And yeah, and to, to quote Hamlet, is this the bottom four I see before me? Well, yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> Big win for Dover. They've struggled this season um, and they went to Taunton and won. Um, Taunton have been very, very good at home. They came back from in the 90th minute uh, in midweek to to rescue their their good home record and I think that's only two I think that's right in saying that's only two teams in the last two or three years that have gone to Taunton and won St Albans and now Dover um, so good win for them uh, under their new management in uh, in Mitch Brundle I look forward to listening to the pod because I know there's going to be the bit I haven't heard yet from Dickie so do, please don't be offended Dickie speak soon we're going to look now at the National League North. And in the National League North, we we, um, we built it up, didn't we, in the midweek pod, Dicky filed against Kingsland, and it didn't disappoint, did it? No, it didn't. Only one place to start in the National League North uh, yesterday, which was the game between Fylde and Kingsland. Um, a 3-3 draw between these two, which, um, you know, at one point Fylde were looking really good. I think, you know, they, they do hold um, an advantage at the, at the top of the league, or they were looking to hold an advantage. They've certainly got a game in hand. Um, but yeah, they, they were looking good for for increasing uh, or, or stretching to a lead over Kingsland and still having that games in hand. But Kingsland came right back at them. Um, Mo Fylde put AFC fold into the lead in the 24th minute. There was an equaliser um, from Ben Stevens just before half time. And, you know, you think you've you scored just before half time and you're going to go in level and you think to yourself, well, that's a decent half. Fylde hit them with two goals in first half injury time from uh, Luke Conlon and from Nick Horton, their perennial uh, superhero. And yeah, three one up at the interval. And they must have thought they were, I wouldn't exactly say home and hose. They would, you know, know that Kingsland were going to come back at them. But uh, yeah, come back they did. And there were goals from Josh Barrett in the 59th minute and then a gold Amateo equaliser in the 82nd minute. Um, yeah, honours even, and it just keeps that battle for that automatic uh, promotion place from the north. Uh, bubbling, along, bu- uh, bubbling along till later in the season, they do have to meet one another at the walks um, in March as well. So, uh, yeah, all attention turns to that one now. Brackley, they're in a bad run of form, aren't they, Dickie? And it was a, a vital result at both ends of the table. They went to Kettering and lost by a goal to nil. Yeah, well, we were talking about, um, we mentioned last week that that, that Roger Johnson, the Brackley um, manager, felt that, you know, his team was still in it. And, you know, I even spoke about the fact that if Kings Lynn and, and, and Boyle possibly drew their games against one another, that that could let Brackley in. Well, of course, that assumed that Brackley were going to, um, you know, carry on picking up points and they fell 1-0 uh, against Northamptonshire rivals Kettering yesterday, a goal from uh, Frankie Maguire in the 81st minute. Um, and, you know, that, that that that's a big blow to Brackley because it just means that that gap between them and the top two stretches out a little bit further. Um, and, yeah, they just need, need to get back on it as quickly as possible. 
Yeah, another result that had ramifications at both ends of the table. Scarborough back to winning ways. They beat Leamington by four goals to one. Yeah, they did. Um, Scarborough's home form has been pretty strong uh, this season. So this wasn't a complete surprise. Although, you know, I saw Leamington in midweek. Um, I don't think it was. A, it wasn't a great game between them and Telford. And, you, you know, you could tell that, that Leamington were, were struggling a bit for form. Um, so, yeah, uh, but they found themselves 2-0 down after 11 minutes yesterday. Two goals from Kieran Willegi, the uh, the Scarborough defender. Dan Turner got a goal back in the 44th minute to give Leamington some hope of a, a comeback in the second half. But then Michael Coulson um, got a goal just after the hour and Alex Wiles added one in the 90th minute. And it was a pretty comfortable uh, victory in the end for Scarborough. Uh, doesn't do a lot for Leamington's hopes at the bottom. You know, they they'd got a win last weekend and then drawing at Telford in midweek they'd picked up four points from six um, and given the four form they've been in that's not a you know a bad return but they would have been hoping to get something yesterday to build on that yeah, Darlington slide down the table again they've been leapfrogged by Chester now haven't they yeah, they have. Uh, Darlington, I think, would be pretty disappointed by uh, a goalless draw at home to Kidderminster Harriers. I think Kidderminster will be much happier at that point um, than Darlington will be. It's it's almost the kind of point that sometimes I think some Kidderminster fans think that the, the team isn't always capable of getting, you know, grinding out a point like that. Um, whether Darlington are suffering for the loss of, uh, of Mark Beck and, you know, more of the... Um, the responsibility for goal scoring falling upon um, Jacob Hazel at the moment. We know Jack Lambert had a terrific run of form, but he's not hit the target for a while. Uh, and yeah, Chester uh, took advantage of that one with a 2-1 win at Bradford Park Avenue. They had to come from behind, though. Simon Richmond put Bradford ahead in just the second minute, but goals in the last 10 minutes of the game um, from Charlie Caton, who's on loan from Shrewsbury Town. He got Chester level in the 81st minute. And then Kurt Willoughby in the third minute of injury time um, broke the hearts of, of Bradford Park Avenue and, and sent Chester um, back along the M62 very happy. Yeah, I mean, I just wanted to add there on Chester, what a job Callum McIntyre's doing. Um, you know, it's he's doing a, a fantastic job. One of the, out of the three divisions, um, obviously... Um, I don't want to go too early uh, in spoiling it, but I think Kevin Mayer would probably be my pick of the three divisions for manager of the season. But McIntyre has definitely got to be up there. He's done a fantastic job to, you know, get that young team playing so well. And uh, yeah, really, really well done to him. Yeah, I thought Chester's youth was was going to count against them. I'll be honest. You know, I did sort of look look at the recruitment and think, well, you know, the, the, this is a tough division. Um, and I've been proven wrong. You know, that they've they've stepped up to the plate. That the, the young players at Chester with a few key additions around them. You know, a few experienced heads in the like of Willoughby. Um, and uh, Declan Weeks in midfield. So I suppose the spines had that that sort of strength about it. Um, and yeah, Callum McIntyre is doing a, a really, really good job there. The Jamie Vermiglio derby finished all square, didn't it, Dickie? <laughs> he did, or uh, Jamie Vermiglio's uh, ex is uh, meeting up to compare notes on him. Yeah, <laughs> no, it was. Uh, it finished a 2-2 draw between Chorley and Buxton at Victory Park yesterday. Um, Buxton, they're in a good run of film. Uh, Declan Poole gave them the lead just on the stroke of half-time. Connor Hall equalised in the 70th minute um, for Chorley. Warren Clark then put Buxton back into the lead barely a minute later. 
but then Hall struck again, an 80th minute penalty. Honours even between those two. Again, I would think Buxton would be the more satisfied with uh, the point in that game. Although having led twice, they probably a bit gutted that they didn't come away with all three. But surely is a really difficult place to come away with anything from. So, you know, I, I think a point's a fair return there. Two teams, again, who are just kind of just outside the playoff places, but nobody's really talking about. Well, Alfreton and Gloucester both got good wins. Yeah, they did. Alfreton uh, got a 1-0 win uh, away at Curzon Ashton. Um, that was a Matt Reed penalty. If if you'd said there was going to be a 1-0 win for Alfreton away from home, you probably would have bet on Matt Reed being the scorer. Um, and that is a good a good uh, point for them and I think they're starting they had, they went nine unbeaten recently Alfred and then lost a couple but they're, they're getting that um, momentum back just a little bit uh, yeah looking at the other one who was it you mentioned oh yes Gloucester yeah no goal for Don McHale in this game as well he was National League North player of the month in January as we mentioned but yeah goals for Owen Evans in the first half and then Kieran Phillips adding the gloss uh, over uh, spending more in the fourth minute of injury time at the end of the second half. A disappointed for spending more that one. I think they're, they're safely in mid-table. They're not going up. I don't think they're in any, any danger of going down either. Got to move on to the bottom, Dickie. And I know we mentioned, as I said at the start, we were we put in a taxi drunkenly waving and blowing kisses or we staying for a lock-in. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it was a 1-0 defeat for Telford yesterday uh, at home to uh, Blythe Spartans. Could have had something out of the game. Um, they, they had a penalty in the second half. I should talk about Bly's goal to start with. I mean, uh, a great goal from Cedric Main in the 28th minute heading home. A, a Reese Evans cross at the far post really the took Telford by surprise, that one. He, yes, the main man indeed. Um, uh, stepping up where Troy Chiabi scored. I think that's three consecutive 1-0 wins for Blythe. Nine points on the bounce. You know, that's a terrific run of form for a team um, in the bottom four in Graham Fenton's you know, doing a really, really good job with Blythe there. They they, they did look at a reasonable side. Telford did have chances against them. It wasn't their best performance. But yeah, Brendan Daniels missed or had a penalty saved by Alex Mitchell in the 63rd minute of the game. There were some other opportunities. Harry Flowers hit the post. But yeah, when you're at the bottom, those are the kind of things that don't go your way. Uh, Telford now... 14 points from safety, only 33 points left to play for. It's looking pretty bleak, I have to say. Yeah, snookers are starting to be needed now by Telford, aren't they, I think? Yeah, I would think so, you know. But on the other side of things, you know, look at Blythe, the the the, the result they had yesterday. There wasn't much between the sides in terms of positions before the game. And, and you know, we were talking about that the, there's five teams on 33 points locked in there. Blythe got one of the best results of the day. Farsley Celtic were looking good for all three points away at Banbury. And, and in fact, it, it was only a late Banbury equaliser um, that, that real Farsley in and melt, that meant that Telford aren't 17 points behind. Farsley, um, they, they led, uh, no, they didn't, they were a goal behind actually to Jack Stevens. Um, then Farsley equalised through, and this is a, a name and a half, this one, Carlton, Ubai Zuno, Zunonu. I even had trouble pronouncing that one at our own place when we played them a few weeks ago. We go there again next Saturday, so I'll ask for a proper pronunciation. Um, 
Frank Mulhern then put them into the lead. Stevens equalised. Uh, black mark for Banbury, and that they had Henry Landers sent off in the seventh minute of injury time. So uh, he's he's looking at suspension. But uh, yeah, I mean, on the face of it, it is a good point for Farsley away at Banbury, but they will be kicking themselves that it wasn't all three. Dickie, the, um, the question I would ask you uh, on Telford is, do you see Kevin Wilkins staying around next year for the league below? Um, he has an 18-month contract, which he signed when he came in. And I know it is a concern for some Telford fans. And I, I don't, I've not heard anything. Um, I think there's been some suggestions saying that with Hereford having a job available, that, you know, there was some talk about whether, whether that would interest Kevin Wilkin. But I have to say from the conversations that I have with him, and I do speak with him at the end of each game and, and, and in between times as well, he doesn't, give the impression of somebody who is um, looking to walk away. He's, he's, he does seem to be talking about, you know, growing the football club for whichever division they're going to be playing in, etc. So, you know, he's he's certainly making, you know, the right noises um, in that respect. I can understand why people would um, have fears about that one, because clearly he's a manager who's enjoyed a lot of success. You know, the idea of him being a manager of a step three club when he's been towards the top of step two or almost permanently for the last few years, I, I can understand why that fear would be there. Um, and I guess you, we can't ever rule anything out in football, can we? I mean, we, we know contracts don't necessarily mean an awful lot. But again, from talking to him, um, he doesn't give the impression of a man who would, who would walk away from a challenge. Um, and I think, it would. Uh, he he's the sort of guy who would get the feeling he feels it would reflect badly on him if he was to walk away as well. So you know, I'm not trying to give anybody false hope there because, as I say, I don't I don't think we can ever rule anything out. But um, it's I'm certainly not getting the vibes from him that he's thinking of going anytime soon. What surprised me, Dickie, as you mentioned, it's tight at the bottom. But with that Chester win at Bradford Park Avenue, you all of a sudden they're second bottom that's how close it is yeah that you can look like you're you're out of it you know you're outside of the bottom four and then a week later two couple of bad results later you'll pitch straight back into it um and i think it's going to be that way from the majority of the teams in that bottom of the uh, of the north with the exception of telford who i think probably uh, you know are too far adrift now um whether they can have any impact on on you know, the rest of it by what kind of results they get. Who knows? I mean, I know the Telford fans that somehow feel that it would be better if we, you know, somehow put 11 youth team players out and gave them the experience. But you've got to talk about um, the integrity of the league, haven't you? You know, that you've got to give your best all the way to the end. I don't think that would be um, a particularly good signal to give out, to be perfectly honest. Um I can see the North relegation going down to the last game of the season and possibly some people even getting relegated on goal difference. It's, it genuinely is that close. Yeah, as I mentioned, Leamington have dropped in there after their phone defeat at Scarborough and Boston are keeping Farsley at arm's length, aren't they? They drew nil-nil against Peterborough Sports. A decent point for Boston, another clean sheet at home, but also Peterborough Sports, a big story out of there this week. Yes, there is. Yeah, uh, Grant Biddle uh, has uh, spoken about 
the the ownership of Peterborough Sports and the fact that I think there was a statement came out on Friday saying that he he, he has a preferred buyer for the football club, a, a, a chap called Tim Woodward, um, who is speaking about coming in. And there's works that need to be done at the ground at Peterborough Sports. I think one of the th- one of the things there. Their progress on the field hasn't necessarily been matched by the progress off it in terms of the facilities, and that's been a concern for them. So it, it's not just keeping up the momentum in terms of, you know, can we continue to have a budget that will keep us competitive, but they've got to have stuff done to the ground if they even want to stay at this level. Um, it, it's not all finalised yet, but, you know, the very fact that he's he's speaking about the Chapman naming his successor in Tim Woodward suggests it, it probably is just a case of, uh, you know, crossing the T's and dotting the I's on that deal. Um, would be disappointing for Boston not to get um, more than uh, just a single point against them yesterday. Doesn't sound like it was the most thrilling of games, and, and you would imagine that Peter probably happily happier with the point there. Yeah, and finally, Hereford are on a good run of form. They won 1-0 away at Southport. And again, big news out of Hereford. Yes, there is. Uh, I think literally it's just come this morning in the, uh, the their chairman, John Hale, has announced that he's stepping down with immediate effect. Hereford don't have a permanent manager in place at the moment. Um, Josh Gowling um, and the club parted ways a few weeks ago. And Jan Klikowski, their player, has been um, in as uh, as acting uh, manager. I mean, he's if he is a possible candidate for the job, he's doing a reasonable job of it because they've been picking up some, some good results under him um, of late I say a 1-0 win for them um, at Southport yesterday with a goal through Jack Holmes I, I suppose I look at that situation with the chairman stepping aside and saying well it, it, is it going to be particularly brilliant to be uh, looking for both a new manager, uh, well looking for a new manager when you haven't got a, a chairman in place um, you'd wonder what you know whether maybe the situation with Jan Klikowski might just continue to the end of the season although I have heard again suggestions about uh, uh, people who've been spoken to in, in in relation to that job and and there was some talk that it was um you know as as good as appointed and you know I'm not going to name the name that I've I've given but it isn't somebody who's managing in National League North at the moment um so yeah it's it, it's a, it's a tricky situation and in Southport again it's a situation for them if I don't think they're going up I don't think they're going down at the moment um and yeah the Hereford one's going to be a really interesting one to keep our eye on to see who actually gets either of those positions you know who takes over as chairman because they help to set the direction and then you know who they appoint as manager he's doing a, a clucking good job isn't he uh, at, um, <laughs> at Hereford we're going to look at the the midweek fixtures coming up in the National League the one the two that stand out are Maidstone against Scunthorpe, the bottom two there. Can one of them get a win and get a bit of a run going? And also Wrexham against Chesterfield. Chesterfield really need the points there. And Wrexham will want to win that to overtake Notts County. You don't play on Tuesday evening. Torquay have got Bromley at home. Yeovil host Altrincham. Maidenhead are up against Dagenham Redbridge. FC Halifax are playing Wealdstone, Eastleigh playing York, Boreham against Darkin and Barnet against Oldham. In the National League North, it's filed against Farsley. So big game there at the top and the bottom, along with Charlie against Boston, Bambury against Leamington. In fact, in the North, there's games everywhere that you look, Dickie, that, um, that has something on it, don't they, this week? 
Yeah, pretty much so. I mean, um, um, there's one tomorrow evening as well, Bradford Park Avenue. You spoke about them just dropping into the bottom four. They host Scarborough um, in an old Yorkshire uh, affair, which, you know, you would think probably leans to in, in Scarborough's favour. So uh, Mark Bower's side really needs something from that one. Filed will be looking to, to, to bounce back from the disappointment of, of you know, essentially giving two points away in their game yesterday when they host Farsley. Farsley have also got an FA Trophy quarterfinal on their minds as well. Banbury against Leamington. Yeah, a really important game for Leamington. Try and dig themselves out of a hole. Boston towards the bottom away at Chorley. We know how difficult it is to get something there. Um, there's probably not so much riding on the one between Hereford and Chester, but that's one that interests me because two teams sat just on the 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 English side of the England Wales border. I know the rivalry is between Chester and Wrexham, but I think there is something of a rivalry between really between those two as well. So yeah, there's 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 interesting games everywhere you look. In the south as well, some interesting games. Uh, most notably, Farmer against Ebbsfleet can. Farmer bounced back and, and Holt Ebbsfleet, the big one. He's Dulwich Hamlet against Concord. Concord at the bottom, of course, as we mentioned. Dulwich in a really bad run of form as well. And Chippenham hosting Worthing. Other games there, having at Waterlooville or after Dover. Hampton Richmond Borough hosting Tombridge. Slough against Bath. Tottenham against Eastbourne Borough and Welling against Hemel Hempstead. Well, that is it. Thank you very much for joining us. We are on Twitter at NL Full Time. It's the same on Instagram. So give us a like and a follow. My thanks to Dickie, Rob, and Joe. I've been Luke Edwards, and I'll see you all very soon. Hold up. 